assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to Sri Guru and Goranga. All glories to Sri Prabhupada. Shrimati Bhaktivinata Swami Niti Namane Namaste Saraswati Deve Gauravani Pacharana Nirvasesa Sunivani Paspachade Satarane Vandeham Sri Guru Sri Uta Padakamalam Sri Gurun Vaishnavamscha Sri Rupam Sagrajatam Sagana Raghunatam Vitam Sam Sajiva Sadvaitam Sadvadutam Parijana Sahita Krishna Chaitanya Devam Sri Radha Krishna Padam Sagana Lalita Sri Vishakam Vitam Jai Jai Shri Chaitanya Jaya Nityananda Jaya Dvaita Chandra Jaya Gora Bhakta Vrinda Jai Jai Shri Chaitanya Jaya Nityananda Jaya Dvaita Chandra Jaya Gora Bhakta Vrinda February 3rd, 2013, in Durban, South Africa. We're reading from Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita, Adi Lila, Chapter 17, The Pastimes of Lord Chaitanya in His Youth, Text 90 to 98. Ekadina Prabhu Shivashera Agnadila, Brihat Sahastra Namapada Sunite Manahaila. Ekadina. One day. Prabhu, the Lord, Shiva Shera, Anti Shiva's Takur, Agna, Order, Dila, Gave, Brihat, Great, Sahasranama, One Thousand Names, Hada, Read, Shunite, To Hear, Mana, Mind, Haila, Wanted. Translation. One day, the Lord ordered Srivas Thakur to read the Brihat Sahasranama, the thousand names of Lord Vishnu, for he wanted to hear them at that time. Text 91. As he read the thousand names of the Lord, in due course, the holy name of Lord Nasinga appeared. When Chaitanya Mahaprabhu heard the holy name of Lord Nasinga, he became fully absorbed in thought. Purport. The Chaitanya Mangala Madhyakanda describes this incident as follows. Srivas Pandit was performing the Shraddha ceremony for his father, and as is customary, he was hearing the thousand names of Lord Vishnu. At that time, Gaudahari, Lord Chaitanya, appeared on the scene, and he also began to hear the thousand names of Vishnu with full satisfaction. When he had thus heard the holy name of Lord Nasinga, Lord Chaitanya became absorbed in thought, and he became angry, like Nasinga Prabhu in his angry mood. His eyes became red. His bodily hair stood on end. All the parts of his body trembled, and he made a thundering sound. All of a sudden, he took up a club, and people became greatly afraid, thinking, we do not know what kind of offense we have now committed. But then Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu adjusted his thoughts and sat down on his seat. So that was from Chaitanya Mangala. And as Krishnas Kaviraj has explained, uh, if there was something already mentioned in Chaitanya Mangala, Completely, he just described it in summary. However, if Chaitanya Mangala left out some details, he added extra details. So here, Krishna Das Kaviraj is adding some extra details. And one detail he just added was that the impetus for reading the Vishnu Sahasranam came from Mahaprabhu himself. 
So it wasn't just that Srivast Thakur decided to read the Vishnu Sahasranam, but Mahaprabhu specifically asked him. And yeah, we're going to just read to the end of this particular pastime. Text 92. In the mood of Lord Nasingadev, Lord Chaitanya ran through the city streets, club in hand, ready to kill all the atheists. So this, again, is more detail than in the Chaitanya Mangala, where just he acted like Lord Nasingadev and then he sat down. So in the meantime, he ran through the streets. Text 93. Seeing him appearing very fierce in the ecstasy of Lord Nasinga, people ran from the street and fled here and there, afraid of his anger. 94. Seeing the people so afraid, the Lord came to his external senses and thus returned to the house of Srivas Thakur and threw away the club. 95. The Lord became morose and said to Srivas Thakur, When I adopted the mood of Lord Nasingadev, people were greatly afraid. Therefore I stopped, since causing fear among people is an offense. 96. Srivas Thakur replied, Anyone who takes your holy name vanquishes 10 million of his offenses immediately. 97. There was no offense in your appearing as the Singadev. Rather, anyone who saw you in that mood was immediately liberated from the bondage of material existence. 98. After saying this, Srivas Thakur worshipped the Lord, who was then greatly satisfied and returned to his own home. So Mahaprabhu asked Srivast to read the thousand name of Vishnu and Srivast Thakur came to Nasingadev. Mahaprabhu entered into the mood of Nasingadev. And what were the symptoms? Now he became angry, his eyes became red, his hair stood on end, his body trembled and he made a thundering sound. And then he took up a club. One would wonder what kind of club was kind of lying around. So it must not have been a full-on weapon, but some kind of stick. And he started running through the streets, roaring. And then the people got scared and ran away. And when the people started running away, he came back to his consciousness of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and went back to Srivast Pandit and said, now I've committed an offense. I frightened people. And Srivast Thakur says, he became morose actually, it says. And Srivast Thakur said, no, no, no. Just hearing your name vanquishes all offenses. And therefore, you appearing in a form of Nasingadev is certainly not offensive, but rather people will have their offenses removed by seeing you. And then Lord Chaitanya was very satisfied, and he went home. So this particular pastime brings out two important points, and the first one we'll talk about is that the Lord is a person. He's a person. What does it mean that he's a person? It means that he experiences different emotions and has different feelings and different desires. It's not just when we say God is a person that it means he just has some form that looks like a person, but actually he doesn't have any personality. A person experiences different desires, correct? It's like this table is not a person. What's the difference between a person and a non-person? doesn't have any desires, doesn't have any feelings. It's always in the same state, never changes its state. But a person has different desires and different feelings at different times. So of course most of the religions in the world understand that God is not a person. I mean even some that teach some sort of personality, like most branches of Christianity teach some kind of personality. Uh, they're really not very clear on what, what is the personality of God. It's, it's very vague. 
But here we have great depth. We can see how this can be misunderstood. And people who have been raised with the idea of God being impersonal, they'd say, wait a minute, why does the devotee have to preach to the Lord? Why does the Lord become angry? Why does the Lord become morose? And then by getting good counseling from the devotee, the Lord becomes peaceful. I mean, I had actually a similar question when I was being brought up outside the Krishna consciousness movement. And I was studying at a theological seminary. And I asked my teachers, very similar. I said, so Moses comes down from Mount Sinai and he sees everybody worshipping a golden calf and becomes angry. And he breaks the Ten Commandments, the tablets. And when he goes back up on the mountain, God is also angry. And he says, because you've become angry, I'm going to kill all these people. We'll start the nation over from you. And Moses says, no, no, you can't do that. You promised Abraham that his descendants would be numerous. You can't break your word. And then God says, yeah, yeah, you're, all, you're right. I won't do that. And I went to the, you know, the religious leaders and I said, this doesn't make any sense. I thought God's just some formless, you know, ooh. He gets angry, and then Moses tells him, no, no, don't be angry, be peaceful, remember your promise. And they basically told me, be quiet, don't ask these questions. <laughs> At which point I decided that I was going to look someplace else for my answers. And as soon as I came to the Krishna consciousness movement, and I heard that God was a person, then everything made a lot of sense. It's not really that God makes a mistake, but that he has varieties of feelings. And Srila Prabhupada explains that the 12 rasas, the 5 primary rasas and the 7 secondary rasas, are all sources of pleasure. And everything that every living entity is doing is an attempt to enjoy one of these rasas. So I'm sure you know the 5 primary rasas. What are the 5 primary rasas? Hmm? Yes, Madhurya, the conjugal romantic rust. Another one? Hmm? Neutrality. Neutrality, just on reverence, without any action. Another one? Hmm? Friendship. What else? That's three of the five. Hmm? Parental, which includes being like a teacher, guide, counselor, and? servant. So those are the five primary rasas through which every living entity is trying to gain pleasure. Rasa means taste. In the preface to the Nectar Devotion, Srila Prabhupada talks about how whatever anybody does, whatever we do, is motivated by looking for some rasa. What about the seven secondary rasas? Anybody know them? Chivalry. When we're enjoying a fight, that's the shiv- we're getting pleasure from the chivalrous rasa, if it's a fair fight. What are some other of the seven secondary rasas? Huh? Horror, Horror ghastliness. Prabhupada says, you know, the murderer, he's trying to enjoy the ghastly rasa. Or people go to horror movies, you know. 
They're trying, they're trying to get enjoyment out of ghastly rasa. What else? Yes, laughing, comedy. What are two mentioned in this lila? Anger. There's some rasa in anger, isn't there? Is there? Yes? Is there some taste in anger? We don't know when to admit that. No. But there is. Okay, what's another rasa? So another one mentioned here. Hmm? Fear. Another one. Compassion, yes. Another one. Great wonder, amazement. All right, so Mahaprabhu, he's experiencing anger. Right? And then some grief also. I mean, and uh, Rupa Goswami gives in the Nectar Devotion all these different spiritual emotions that the devotee and the Lord experience. Now, spiritually, the devotees and the Lord experience all of these as pleasure. Now, we try to do that in this world. Just like somebody, you know, goes to see a sad movie and their friend says to them, was it a good movie? And they, yeah, it was a great movie. So we're trying to experience all these things in this world as pleasure. But of course, none of them are really pleasure. Even our pleasure in this world is not really pleasure. Our pleasure in this world is the temporary stopping of distress. It's very temporary, very limited, and it doesn't touch the soul. Whereas spiritual pleasure is real pleasure, but it has variety. It has variety. It's not just, ah, spiritual pleasure, om shanti. That would be boring. Just like in Dubai, we have our restaurant there that has, I don't know how many flavors of ice cream, but many. You know, what ice cream shop? Only one flavor, vanilla. No, so many flavors. And there they even have chiku ice cream, sitapal ice cream. They have a saffron pistachio ice cream. So spiritual emotions, there's unlimited flavors of spiritual ice cream. Unlimited ways of enjoyment. I mean, we know that when we are enjoying anger, it's actually polluting us and causing us distress. But frankly, the same happens when we're enjoying wonder and exaltation. So what's the difference? So there's some hint at the difference here. And that is when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says that it's an offense, let's read it exactly. What he says. Causing fear among people is an offense. So all attempts for material enjoyment are based on fear. So 
How is that? So Krishna, twice in the Bhagavad Gita, talks about attachment, fear, and anger. So material enjoyment starts from the premise that I am incomplete. I'm lacking something. We are a part of Krishna, like the hand is part of the body. But if you take the hand off of the body, it's incomplete. It can't function as a hand anymore. I mean, we could say, I have a complete hand. But it's only a complete hand when it's attached. So as soon as the hand is unattached, as soon as it's separated, then it's incomplete. It can't function. Now if the hand tries to become complete by attaching itself to various objects without being connected to the body, will that work? No. So that is our state. Bahir Muke, we've turned away from Krishna. Of course, we are still connected with Krishna, but we're in an illusion because we want to be an illusion, that we're separated from Krishna. And in that illusion of separateness from Krishna, we no longer feel that completeness. Om purnam ada purnam idam, purnat purnat udachate, purnasya purnam adaya, purnam eva vasishate. From the complete, complete units are coming. You take the complete away from Krishna, he's still complete. We're a complete unit. We actually have everything that we need. But when we feel the separation from Krishna, we think, I'm, I'm empty. One famous uh, Catholic theologian, Thomas Merton, who wrote an appreciation of Prabhupada's Gita, he said, everyone has a God-shaped vacuum in their heart. You know, when Mother Yasoda is breastfeeding Krishna, and the milk on the stove was thinking, according to Vishnu Chakravati Thakur, Krishna's belly is unlimited, Mother Yasoda's milk is unlimited, I'm never going to chance to get a chance to do any service. So he boiled over. So Krishna's unlimited. Inside of his, there's really no inside, outside, but you could say Mother Yasoda looks inside, she sees the whole universe. So when we have a God-shaped hole, that hole is unlimited. And materially, we're trying to enjoy these rasas by having the senses of our bodily machine. Yantra. Yantra Rudani Maya. This yantra, this machine that we're riding around in, attached to some sense object and connected with the body. Exactly like the severed hand would be trying to just connect with different sense objects. And we're trying to enjoy rasa like that. Our mood, therefore, is I am empty and I need to be filled. I need to be filled with air. I need to be filled with water, with food. And with all the different rasas. And I'm engaging with other living entities basically as objects. On the lowest level of consciousness, the Anamoya consciousness, I'm seeing everything and everyone as food. I'm hungry, and everything around is meant to satisfy my needs. A little higher pranamoya, I start realizing that other people are also existing. But I see them more as competitors. I want the food, and you want the food. And one gets into defending. 
In Manamoya, one thinks about philosophy. But still on all of these levels, one is simply saying, I'm empty and I need to be filled. And therefore, all of my endeavors for rasa are filled with fear. Fear that, well, maybe I won't get filled. Maybe this thing I want, I won't get. Maybe this person won't be nice to me. Maybe they won't like me. Maybe they won't facilitate me. Or that what I have is I'm going to lose. So chichi kanchichi, hankering and lamenting. I'm constantly afraid, will I get what I want? Will I get what I want? Will I get what I want? Will I lose what I have? Will I lose what I have? Will I lose what I have? Because our experience is that many of the things we want and need, we don't get. And everything we have, sorry to inform you of this, we're going to lose everything. Either it will go away from us or I will go away from it. When I leave at death, it's all gone. All my education, all of my knowledge, all of the relationships and connections that I made in the world, all of my possessions, I have to leave them all. Something like being in a repressive governmental regime where the police come to your house and say, you know, get out. And you just have to walk away. You never see your family again, never have your possessions again, etc. And we go into a new body, and in the new body, you know, we don't know where we are. We have to say gaga goo goo and figure out relationships all over again, get knowledge all over again, form relationships all over again, gather possessions all over again just to lose them. Bhutva bhutva praliyate. We go through our little pralia, our little destruction. So therefore we're filled with fear. Attachment, fear, and anger. We're attached. I must... I must get these things, otherwise how will I experience rasa? That's our attachment. I must get these possessions, I must have these relationships, I must have this position, otherwise how will I have rasa? We're thinking rasa is something outside of ourselves that we have to get by manipulating the material energy and manipulating other people. Whether we do that in a mode of ignorance way, by stealing and threatening, whether we do it in a mode of passion way, by contracts, whether we do it in a mode of goodness way, by kindness and subtle manipulation, uh, still it's the same thing. I'm attached only because I think I'm incomplete. If you're complete, why would you need to be attached to anything? That makes sense to everybody? If you're already satisfied, why would you need to be attached to anything? But if inside you're empty, then you're going to have to be attached to, so I need this, I need this, I need that. Attachment must necessitate, necessitate fear. Because what I'm attached to, what I think I need, in order to experience rasa, I can't control. Can we control material energy? Anybody? No. Can we control other people and our relationships with them? No. Somewhat. But not entirely. So I'm constantly in fear. And then from fear comes anger. 
the younger brother of lust. So from attachment comes anger. I get angry. Why didn't I get what I wanted? Why didn't I get what I needed? Why did I never get it? Why was it taken away? And we channel that anger generally at the other people in our environment. And when we send anger at them, we're trying to make them... What do we want them to feel when we get angry? Hmm? Well, what kind of suffering specifically? Fear. We want them to be afraid. You want them to be afraid. If you don't give me what I want, you're going to suffer. So my attachment is based, is very much motivated by fear. And my dealings with others is trying to make them afraid. I'm motivated by fear. I want others to be fearful. This is material life in a nutshell. And even our so-called love and our so-called affection and kindness and comedy, you know, the, the so-called positive rasas. You'll see there are all this attachment, fear, and anger, attachment, fear, and anger. I, that I've got a constant underlying, just like in a symphony, there is a repeating melody. So the repeating melody for the conditioned soul is fear. That I'm feeling fear and I want everyone else to be afraid. I want everyone else to be afraid of my power, of my influence, of my opulences, and I want them to be afraid that if they don't give me what I want, then they won't get what they want. What do you think? That sounds pretty much like what it is. Is that happiness? How can you enjoy when you're constantly in a state of fear? It's like if you've got a nice plate of food and the police officers are standing behind you ready to take you away. You say, how much time do I have? And they say, well, I don't know. I'm just waiting for word from headquarters. What do I eat first? The samosa, the gulabjaman, you know. And when you're eating it, how can you enjoy it? So therefore, Prophet says that material enjoyment is like sweet rice mixed with sand. And we're struggling, struggling to have pleasant relationships. But as long as I'm full of fear, and as long as I induce fear in others, how, how, what, how nice a relationship can I have? I mean, there's degrees. Mode of ignorance is complete fear and anger. Mode of goodness is less. Because attachment is less as you go up through the modes. So spiritual is quite different. These spiritual emotions... What to speak of Mahaprabhu, who's God, that he's experiencing, that Trivastakura is experiencing, and the Trivastakura is even saying all the people in the town of Navadweep were experiencing seeing Mahaprabhu. These are quite different, even though we can put names on it like anger and fear. Because the essence of these relationships is love. We hardly know what love is in this world, frankly. We have something that looks like love, but because it's mixed with this attachment, fear, and anger, and it's based on this attachment, fear, and anger, we're not really touching real love. We're touching the reflection 
And Krishna says maya is a reflection that appears to be in darkness. So in a reflection, something may look like the actual object, but you can't get anything from it. You try to eat a reflection of an apple. You know, you just bang your hand on the glass. There's just no real flavor. So in order for there to be real love, first you have to be connected. Love means giving. If I'm disconnected, the basis of everything is taking. That's not my swarup. Jivara swarupaya krishnara nitya dasha. Dasha is a servant to give. Prabhupada says our sanatan dharma is a servant. Servant means to give. How can I give when I think I'm empty? And then if I'm empty, I want to take. And the only time I give is if I think, well, you know, I've civilized enough so I don't steal. So I have to find something in my emptiness that I've collected that I can kind of give you for an exchange. But if one's connected, if the jiva is connected, and what to speak of Krishna, who's always feeling completeness, there's no question of taking anything. If you're complete, and Krishna's not just complete static, he's dynamic. You take a complete away from the complete, he's still complete. He's constantly expanding. He's not just full, he's overflowing. Like a spring coming up out of the ground that keeps coming and coming and coming and coming, like the sun. The sun doesn't get depleted. Not like on earth where we have our oil reserves, you know, and when they run out, you're like, well, now what are we going to do? So Krishna's complete and he keeps giving and any jiva that's connected with Krishna, which we all are, but any jiva that realizes its connection with Krishna, guess what that jiva also feels? Complete. Now if you're complete and the source of your completeness is always expanding and always giving full and expanding unlimitedly, And you realize that, and you experience that, what would your only attachment be? You'd have an attachment. What would your only attachment be? To Krishna, to remaining literally attached. (laughs) You'd want to remain attached to Krishna. Would you have any attachment for anything external to you? If you had everything you need from inside, no. Would you have any fear? If you're connected to the complete that has an unlimited source, would you fear not getting something? You'd have everything. Would you fear losing anything? No. Would you ever have to be angry? No. You could be peaceful. Get from Amshanti Mitchiti. You could be peaceful. And your relationships with others could be giving without expecting anything in return. That's the Trinata piece of Nichena, Taroi Vasahishina, Amanina, Manadena, Kirtaniya, Sadahari. How can you be like a tree? People from the tree, they're taking branches, they're taking flowers, they're taking fruit, they're taking shade. And they may give nothing back to the tree. 
They may cut the tree down. How can one be more tolerant than a tree? Only if you're connected to the complete. Then it doesn't matter how other people treat you. It's irrelevant. And you would never have any reason to make other people feel afraid. You would never have any reason to harm anyone else. Therefore, Krishna describes this in the Bhagavad Gita. He for whom no one is put into anxiety is very dear to me. Someone who never puts anyone else into any anxiety. In material consciousness, you cannot do that. You can try artificially to be peaceful and sweet. And... But as long as one is in material consciousness, that inner sense of lack, that inner sense of incompleteness will push us towards attachment, fear, and anger and will push us, push us to causing pain and anxiety and fear to other living entities. So the solution is not just to come to the mode of passion or to come to the mode of goodness. But the solution is actually to become complete. To again connect with Krishna. We might think, well when I do that, then that'll be boring. Because I'll just be peaceful all the time. I won't care about anything. We think like this. Well, if I reconnect with Krishna and I'm just peaceful all the time then, and I don't have any more attachments, then I'll probably just stop taking care of my family and I'll stop going to work. I'll be irresponsible. I'll be bored. And we think about why don't we just surrender to Krishna? You just surrender to Krishna and all the illusions gone. Immediately you see that, oh, I'm part of Krishna. All the struggle, prakriti stani karshati, all the struggles finish. Prabhupada said it's a, it's a one second business. But Bhagunam Janmanam Mante, we go on life after life after life to surrender to Krishna. Have you asked yourself, why don't I just surrender to Krishna? Oh, we're afraid. We think I'll be bored. You know, if I just surrender to Krishna, I, I, won't, I won't get everything. But here we see that Krishna himself and the devotees, they have variety of rasa. Just because they're peaceful, just because they're always joyful, doesn't mean they're just insipid and dull. Rather, they are experiencing the real rasas, which we're only experiencing a reflection of. Whatever taste we get from anger, which simply causes us distress, they're getting some real taste from real anger that's based on love instead of fear. And even Mahaprabhu feels a little morose. He's sad. But he's getting some pleasure from that sadness. So when we reconnect with Krishna, Akila, Rasamrita Murti. He is the very form of all nectar, of rasa. Then everything we're trying to enjoy here, we will enjoy actually. Now knowing this science, my dear friends, is the secret for conquering all of our material attachments. Many times when we see our material attachments, 
we think, well, I don't really like this. I don't know why I do this. Why do I say this? Why do I do this? I really don't like it. And that's not possibly, couldn't, can't possibly be a true statement. Because Srila Prabhupada says in the preface of Nectar Devotion, everything we're doing is to try to enjoy rasa. So if we're doing something that's causing us misery, if we ask, what rasa am I really trying to enjoy here? And then understand, the only way I can really enjoy this rasa is to be connected with Krishna. Prabhupada says, Krishna is the reservoir of all pleasure. You know, we used to live across the street from a reservoir of the government. So, you know, you get a little water out of your tap, but if you want the full lake, you go to the reservoir. So we get a little drop of happiness from our material rasa. Actually, in one sense, we don't really get anything. Because we, are, we, the soul, aren't experiencing any of this material stuff directly. We're, all, we're experiencing it indirectly through the machine of the body. And thinking it's us. Something like getting pleasure from the actor on the movie screen. So the actor on the movie screen finds his or her true love. And we think, ah, I found my true love. But we haven't. We're just identifying with the person in the movie. And of course, the person in the movie hasn't really found their true love either. They're just actors being paid. And it's not even the actors on the screen. It's just lights. So we see these lights and we're thinking, oh, I am enjoying this and that. So all material enjoyment is just like that. So really, even our material rasa, we're not really enjoying it directly. As Krishna says, mental concoction. Varieties of sense desires that arise from mental concoction. It's all on the platform of the mind. And many philosophers, materialistic philosophers, have even studied this, how we're not really experiencing anything directly. But we can see, what am I trying to experience? I'm trying to experience on reverence, or being a servant, or being a friend, or being a guide, or being a lover. Or I'm trying to experience comedy, or anger, or grief, or ghastliness. I'm trying to get some taste from that. Exactly like when I eat, we don't want just one kind of food. We want, right, there's the six taste, sweet, salty, sour, bitter, pungent, and astringent, and so many more with the smells. If I want to enjoy these tastes, and I do, Ananda, um, uh, Ananda Maya Biasat, just reading in Chaitanya Charitamrita this morning, that the jivas also have the desire to enjoy just like Krishna does. We're part of Krishna. So the question goes, where can I go for real enjoyment? That's our process. Please don't try to kill the desire to enjoy. You can't do that. It is not killable. It's part of the self. Or to think that spiritual perfection is just some sort of, you know, eternal vanilla. Or not even vanilla. Some custard with no flavor, you know. Imagine if somebody made some pudding, some custard, but no flavor, no sugar, no flavor. 
That's not eternal perfection. Eternal perfection is full of varieties of flavor. Radharani never cooks the same thing twice. So many varieties of experience. And experience actually by the soul, not as a mental concoction. And experienced in fullness. So this spiritual anger, it's, it's playful. It's loving. It's not nasty. Even Krishna's ghastliness. Like when Krishna and Balaram fight with Jarasandhar, that's pretty ghastly. They create a river of blood and the parts of the soldiers and the animals are floating in this river. But it's playful. It's all lila. It's krita. There's no enmity. It's all rasa. And everyone who gets killed, they get liberated. So that's what we can enjoy. That is the basis of this Krishna consciousness movement. To bring us from the false reflection of rasa based on the illusion of emptiness, which gives rise then to attachments, which gives rise to fear, which gives rise to anger, which makes us want other people to be afraid so that we can manipulate them which then brings us bad karma, and so forth and so on. And to leave that, take the one step to fix everything. Reconnect with Krishna. Actually reconnect with Krishna. Masuchaha, without fear. And then that one switch lights up everything. And we will get everything we want. The devotee is detached from maya, because they have everything. Who would want a reflection of an apple if you have a real apple? Uh, Nobody. So when we hear these pastimes, we should become captivated to enter into them. How personal the Lord is. And he says, Srivast Thakur, did I commit an offense? God is asking his devotee, did I commit an offense? No, no, Lord, everything you do is okay, very good. So personal. And full of so many varieties of emotions and activities. Full of stories and adventure. So why not actually join those pastimes? So whenever we feel fear and anger, material fear and anger, we should stop and ask ourselves, what am I afraid of? I'm simply afraid that I won't get something that I don't yet have or that I'll lose something that I currently have. And I'm not just talking about things made of plastic and metal, but I'm talking about relationships, satisfying work, good health. And we can think, why do I need to be afraid? I'm a soul. I'm part of Krishna. I'm already connected with Krishna, who's the complete Krishna is providing everything I need always. I'm not part of this material atmosphere. He is my friend. Suridam Sarvadehina. And he's the controller. Sarvaloka Maheshwara. Then I can find peace. And in that peace, I don't need to give anxiety to any other living being. 
And not only that, no one else will be able to put me in anxiety. He for whom no one is put into anxiety, and he who is not put into anxiety by others. And then we will come to that platform of peace from which we can enter into the spiritual rests. And please don't think, oh, that's a platform for very advanced devotees. This is something that all of us are meant to be practicing now. Krishna is my best friend. He's here. I'm part of him. I'm a soul. This is just, you know, chapter 2 of the Bhagavad Gita. This is beginners. I'm a soul. I can't be hurt by anything. I'm part of God. Therefore, let me look for my pleasure in my relationship with God, which is where it really lies, rather than in something external to myself. So questions, comments, additions, subtractions, chastisements? Yes? Spiritual attachments are wonderful. You want the hand to be attached to the body. You want that attachment. Become attached to your husband who's a devotee. Depends how you're attached to your husband. If you're attached to your husband, as Lord Kapiladev says, thinking my husband is going to be himself the source of my happiness, then that attachment to your husband, Lord Kapiladev says, is like the singing of a hunter that calls the deer to its death. So if the woman is thinking, my husband is the source of my income, my children, my home, my sense of security, when my husband looks at me and says, oh, you're the most beautiful woman in the world, and the husbands are supposed to say that, by the way, then, as their duty, then I feel secure and happy, I feel I'm going to take care of, then you are in Maya. But if you're saying, I'm here to please Krishna. Krishna is my husband. And to please Krishna, Krishna has asked me to do this service of serving this devotee. Or serving this jiva, even if your husband's not a devotee. Krishna has asked me to serve this jiva. And to make Krishna's ha- Krishna happy, I will serve my husband. If you're trying to serve your husband independently from Krishna, you're going to get into this attachment, fear, and anger thing. So one day you make, I don't know, dokla, and your husband says, oh, dokla's my favorite food, and he's happy, and you think, yes, my life is perfect. And so you think, well, he really liked the dokla, I'll make it again today. So you make it the next day, and he goes, what are you doing making this two days in a row? And they think, oh, my husband's displeased, now my life is finished. And then you start feeling fear, because you're attached that I need my husband's pleasure in order to be complete. And so when you don't get it, you feel frightened. And in your fear, you become angry. But you said you liked it yesterday. What's wrong with you? I tried hard to please you, right? You're trying to make him afraid. Trying to make him afraid. That if you don't be nice to me, I won't be nice to you, and you won't get what you want. Cycle. Spiral. But if your attachment is to Krishna, you say, Krishna, I really tried to please you by making this dokla. Whether my husband's pleased or not, I hope you're smiling at me. And then if your husband's not pleased, you say, I'm sorry, dear. I hope next time I can make something you like. And you're not going to be affected. 
Because you're not dependent on him for your happiness. You're dependent on Krishna for your happiness. You don't have to try to manipulate him because you're not thinking your happiness is coming from him. So you can see whether or not your relationships are spiritual by who you're trying to please. A very nice letter Prabhupada wrote to one of my god sisters in this regard. I wish I had it memorized. But he said, every woman naturally wants to please her husband. He said, but actually you should be trying to please Krishna. Now what's interesting is you might think, well, if I'm trying to please Krishna, I'll neglect my husband. No, exactly the opposite. If you're trying to please Krishna, you'll take much better care of your husband or your wife or your children. Because your care won't go up and down with how they're treating you. If you're trying to please your husband, when he's nice to you, you'll be nice. When he's not nice to you, you won't be so nice. When you're getting what you want, you'll be nice. When you're not getting what you want, you won't be nice. Your care, your, your service is very conditional. If you're working to please Krishna, your service is no longer conditioned. You'll do your duty always nicely. Because you're not, you're not thinking this husband, this wife, whatever, this owner of the business, that they're the ones that are taking care of me. So that's actually a spiritual relationship. Soul to soul via the super soul, Prabhupada says, in commenting on Queen Kunti, who wanted to sever her ties of affection for her kinsmen. Again, this is not a difficult thing to practice. It doesn't mean you have to already be very advanced. Just think, I'm working for Krishna. Krishna's the proprietor. I am not working for my husband. I'm not working for my wife. I'm not working for my children. I'm not working for the temple president or the GBC or the government or the person who runs the factory that I work at or the bank manager. I'm working for Krishna. And how does Krishna want me to treat the temple president? How does Krishna want me to treat the bank manager? How does Krishna want me to treat my child? I want to act with them so Krishna is smiling because they might smile at you and they might not smile at you. Right? And not serving them to get something from them. You know if it's material, if when you don't get what you expect, you become disappointed and angry and frustrated and I gave so much. What did I get back? I sacrificed so many years and all I get is this. I gave this and 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 what did I get back, huh? Then you know it's material. Good test. Because then you're, you're serving in order to get filled. Can another jiva fill us? Is that possible? Like this machine, it has some battery power. Does it have enough battery power to power all the lights in the temple? If I try to have it do that job, then I'll become angry. Correct? So I think some other jiva, I don't care who they are, I think some other jiva is going to be Akila Rasamrita Murti. And I'm going to become very disappointed. I'll get angry at that jiva or angry at myself. So those are material relationships. Material relationships is you better be Krishna for me. And I'm going to try to be Krishna for you. Doesn't work. We're just little jivas. We have potency, but when we're not connected with Krishna, we have very, very little potency. A jiva who's connected with Krishna has unlimited potency being channeled through them as a transparent via media, but not on their own. 
even the liberated jivas. You can't expect them separately from Krishna to fulfill all your desires. You can't experience all rasas with a liberated jiva. You experience all rasas with Krishna. Is that all right? So how do you know your relationships with others are spiritual? They're joyful. They're peaceful. They're not based on fear. You're able to be equally enthused in your service through victory and defeat, honor and dishonor, praise and blame. Your enthusiasm isn't dependent on your external circumstances. A relationship isn't spiritual just because that person's chanting Hare Krishna and you're chanting Hare Krishna. That doesn't automatically make it spiritual. You can have a very spiritual relationship with some dog in the street who's definitely not chanting Hare Krishna. If you have the right consciousness. Is that all right? And should you be attached to your service to Krishna? Yes, you should be attached to pleasing Krishna. And we should care that every living entity is happy. Now, if you really have a deep spiritual relationship with another jiva, then you may have a deep spiritual attachment to that jiva. Just like Narottama Das Thakur writes this song, Sri Rupa Manjari Pada. You read this song? Some of you know this song? So Rupa Manjari is a jiva. Narottama Das Thakur is a jiva. And the love between these two jivas is incredible. Why? Because they're both connected with Krishna. Soul to soul via the super soul. And then you can have real attachments to other jivas that are based on reality. So when do I need to stop, Prabhu? You need to stop now? Then you need another 10 minutes. So we have five more minutes? Any other questions, comments? That was a very good question. Anyone else have any questions? Additions? Yes, Prabhu. Is it okay to be attached to your service? But the main thing you should be attached to is Krishna's pleasure. You shouldn't be attached to anything or anybody separate from Krishna's pleasure. Actually, Raghunath Das Goswami, in one of his books, where he's describing his service to Radha and Krishna in his eternal gopi form, he talks about how he's doing one service, and then one of the other gopis comes and says, now please do another service. And even though he was so much enjoying that one service, he didn't feel any difficulty in saying, okay, let me do this. So ultimately, we should be attached to Krishna's pleasure. Having said that, Krishna's general order is that we should serve according to our nature. So sometimes people think that surrender means doing any emergency work anytime. But things should be managed in such a way that emergency should be rare. Good management means that emergency should happen only maybe two to four times a year when people are asked to do something that's not according to their nature. So yes, I should have some attachment to using, Prabhupada said everyone has some extraordinary talent and to use that talent for Krishna means successful life. I should have some attachment to being who I am for Krishna. 
If I'm a hand, I should want to be the hand for Krishna. If I'm an ear, I should want to be the ear for Krishna. We have, each of us have some role to play. We were talking about this a lot yesterday afternoon. Each individual jiva has their role to play. We have our role to play ultimately in our eternal form in the spiritual world, and we have our role to play in this life. And I should want to play my role. I shouldn't want to play somebody else's role. I should want to take the, the tendencies and the gifts and the personality that I have in this life, whether they're Krishna's gifts or the results of my karma is really irrelevant, however I have them. I have them. Make the best use of a bad bargain. And I should be attached to using those things for Krishna. Using who I am for Krishna. I mean, Krishna keeps emphasizing this in the Bhagavad Gita. You have your nature. You have to do your nature for me. He says, if you don't do your nature for me, you'll do it for Maya. If we, if we don't use our nature for Krishna, we will use our nature for Maya, according to Krishna, at least, and I believe him. I mean, you see devotees who have a Kshatriya nature. They want to protect others. They care about justice and righteousness and ethics. And they have a little fighting tendency. And if they don't have any positive service outlet for that nature, they cause all kinds of trouble. You know, I'm, I'm convinced that a lot of these people who have as their career, you know, criticizing this and that in ISKCON, they're just frustrated Kshatriyas. They haven't been given any proper service. But at the same time, if there's an emergency, one should be prepared. I mean, even materially it's like that, right? Even materially. You work in a, in a material company. If there's an emergency, everybody has to. You can't say, well, I have to stay here and do this. It's my job. Well, the building's on fire. I'm sorry, this is my job. You know, so there has to be some... But things should be managed. If things are managed nicely, emergencies should be emergencies. If there's a perpetual emergency, then everybody will become exhausted. Prabhupada said there's three kinds of activities. Ordinary, desired, and emergency. So the, the ordinary and desired should be according to our nature. But ultimately, we should be attached to Krishna. Not to the service itself so much as the person for whom I'm doing the service. Now, in interim stages, we get very attached to the service. Actually, as one becomes very advanced in Krishna consciousness, at the platform of Ruchi, one is getting taste from the service. And at a Shakti, one is getting taste from Krishna. So at Ruchi, one is saying, oh, I love to chant. I love to do the, take care of the deities. I love to do this. I love to do that. And at a Shakti is, I love Krishna. And the service is just a medium for expressing my love for Krishna. Is that okay? Yeah, very good questions. Anything else? Yes? In my commission stage, I don't have strong How can I be happy if I accustom to start some material process? Mm. So my mission stage Practice getting your connection with Krishna. So you may not yet have realized I'm Krishna's cow or I'm Krishna's friend or but at least you can understand I'm Krishna's servant, I'm the servant of my spiritual master, I'm the servant of Mahaprabhu's mission. At least in that kind of general way you can start. 
And when you find yourself having a material attachment, make it a pra- start practicing to stop and say, okay, why do I have this attachment? Because I'm, I think I'm disconnected from Krishna. Am I disconnected from Krishna? No, I'm part of Krishna. And gradually you'll feel that because it's true. Conditioned state means I'm an illusion. If you remind yourself of the truth and you act on the truth, you'll start feeling the truth. Because it's true. I do have a relationship with Krishna. I am connected with Krishna. He is meeting all my needs. And when I forget that, just remind yourself of it. And act on that basis. Just say, okay, Krishna's here. I'm connected with him. He's meeting all my needs. What is it I'm afraid of? Be honest. What is it I'm afraid of? Oh, I'm afraid that I'm going to lose this relationship. I'm going to lose this facility. I'm going to lose this service. And if I lose that, I won't get this thing. Well, is that real? Isn't Krishna going to take care of me? What do I have to be afraid of? And just a little meditation on that. Try meditating on 529. Or find some mantra that works for you. I mean, I have these little mantras. Krishna will meet all of my needs. It's one of my mantras. Krishna is always here. Krishna is in everything. You find one that, that works for you. Or learn some sloka. That when you find yourself getting attached and fearful and angry, you repeat it to yourself. And you stay steady your mind in the truth. Make a determination. I'm not going to give anxiety and fear to others in order to defend myself. Let Krishna defend me. I mean, if somebody comes at you with a knife, then you can defend yourself. But if you practice that, because it's real, it, you'll start experiencing it as reality. At first, it'll be, feel awkward. At first, it'll feel difficult and like it's not real because we're not habituated to it, but because it is real. You are connected with Krishna. He is here now. He's here now, connected with us now. He's supplying everything we need now. We're just like this. So start doing this. Start. You know, when the fear comes, when the anger comes, recognize. Recognize. This is just due to material attachments, due to illusion. Recognize. Maybe write something down, carry it around with you, or read it every morning, or read it every evening. Make a determination. I'm not going to act on the platform of illusion with this attachment. And then it gets easier and easier and easier and easier and easier. And after a while, it just becomes what you're doing because it, it's already real. Is that all right? If you just wait for it to fall from, on the, from the sky, you know, you may be waiting a long time. Okay, thank you very much. All glory to you.